Delaney. And it's Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With Tyler Martin playing in the background. <laughs> Alright, we got some background music for tonight. Tonight? Today's episode? Yeah, I mean, you can hear it, but they might not be able to hear it. So, But if you can, you're lucky because Tyler is a phenomenal flute player. So you're welcome. <laughs> and I'm never going to say anything nice about him again. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. Tyler um, and I have a love-hate relationship. It's fine. Well, happy Pride and happy, happy Pride Black Music Month, everybody. Yep. Hope everybody is celebrating accordingly. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll do news stuff. What's going on? Yeah. I don't really got nothing to talk about. I feel like I just talked to you also. Yeah. Also, we're going to go see The Little Mermaid. So oh, I'm, I'm going to see it tomorrow. Are you? Mm-hmm. So let's move through. So okay. Because I'm, I'm the one who made the plans. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the Cleveland Institute of Music um, has launched an investigation into some allegations of inappropriate behavior by principal conductor Carlos Calmar. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the some of the fallout from this has been um, their uh, their keynote speaker for the commencement ceremony, Anne Majette, who um, was a, is the former uh, classical music critic at the Washington Post, um, withdrew um, from speaking at their commencement ceremony because um, not only just the situation, but also apparently people had reached out to her with some stuff. Um, about the situation and she just felt that she didn't want to um, engage until Wait, I missed who was supposed to be who was supposed to be the coming to and um, so in late April students got a like a student body wide email um, uh, saying that he was the subject of a title nine uh, investigation if you don't know title nine is a federal civil rights law that prohibits sex-based discrimination in schools and education programs that receive federal funding. Um, so their Title IX coordinator at the school has sent an email to all the students uh, saying that this was not the first time that she had heard this particular conductor's name in connection to misconduct and um, asking students to come forward if they have um, anything to share about um about the situation um also one of the things about him that i read in um this story was like there have been a couple profiles of him from like years ago that were unfavorable as well for different reasons but like the the lady said that was not the first time she had heard of his name specifically um in connection to misconduct and she is a title nine coordinator so it would have to be sexual misconduct um Yikes. yeah so um we're gonna see where that goes um wait so what did they end up doing if the if the they didn't have a commencement speaker they just got up there and said congrats and they went home that i do not know um the commitment, their commencement probably just passed because she withdrew, like, um, 
fairly like recently it was on may i want to say 20th but that sounds a little late yeah Mhm. yeah and she was also supposed to get an honorary doctorate so she was like keep that right no thanks <laughs> um yeah so we'll keep an eye on that um and also another thing that kind of slipped through the cracks um was not too long ago maybe like a week or two ago um chad smith who's the ceo of the los angeles philharmonic announced that he was leaving um to serve as president and ceo of the boston symphony uh starting this fall um fall 2023 so they are trying to you know get a ceo search done so that their new ceo can be a part of choosing the new music director right right um and I was like, dang, that's like, y'all are a mess. That's what okay, I was like, dang. <laughs> I'm kidding. Gustavo's <laughs> not even leaving for another like three years. He's leaving in 2025, right? Or 2025 is last, 26. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so he's he's still going to be here for a while. Um, What kind of credentials do you need to be CEO of the loss? I would not want that job. That sounds like a huge job. Well, Chad has been at the LA field in some capacity for like 20 years at this point, And he was COO before this. Mm. So, and I believe at the time, you know who I think it's going to be? Oh, you think it's going to be internal? No, I think it's going to be... Um, What's her name? Gail, Gail Smith. She was, she was, I think, who they thought was going to, like, I think she was in the pool of who people thought might be CEO before him because she was um, on the executive team. I can't remember if she was, I think what her exact title was, Um, but it was one of those, like, C-suite situations and then she she left um to i forget what orchestra was on the east coast but was not there for very long Hmm. it didn't it didn't seem to have worked out so um yeah i think it's maybe it's possible that she that she might come back because you know she has the the qualifications for it um i think she was the I want to say she was chief of staff or something like that. Something, um, yeah, on the executive team. But, yeah, either that or, yeah, maybe they might promote from within because, of course, they have an interim CEO. The guy who was CEO is now interim CEO. I feel that makes the most sense, to be honest, because if he'd been there for 20 years, like, we got to train you and how we train you for this like well i mean they they're only picking from but yeah they're only picking from like people who did that kind of work yeah. before so i guess yeah they ain't taking no schlub <laughs> yeah i feel like I it's gonna be somebody who yeah it's probably gonna be somebody from another orchestra um that is and not even like the in the article that i'm gonna link um the chair of the of the board was saying how like even within the top 25 orchestras, he was like, it's not really a lot of people I feel like would do, like what we would want to do this job. So I think even right. 
um, within that, the pool is like pretty, pretty small. So we'll see. Throwing my hat in the ring. No, I'm just kidding. Let me apply. What y'all, what y'all need me to do? Um, and yeah, that's what's going on. Not much. Yeah. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Okay, intermission gonna be quick this week too because it's, it's very simple. He is really blown on that Tyler is Tyler. What? <laughs> 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 I was like, Tyler is that girl. He probably heard you say, "Oh, y'all might not be able to hear." He's like, "They gonna hear it. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna hear me." <laughs> And also, like, Jonathan Hayward's conducting Symphony Fantastic, so he was like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not playing around. I can't play that piece of save my life. I really need to fix that. I've been lounging around. Anyway, um, so Spotify tweeted a couple weeks ago. They were like, um, uh, my dream collab, give me blank and blank. So I thought we would do that, except um, – obviously we're pontificating but we still have not even figured out i have not even i ain't gonna hold you every time i we have a, a monthly meeting and i'm like yeah i'm gonna look into the spotify music thing the next month i'll be like yeah i'm gonna look into the spot like it's just always in the bottom of the list but um once i get home from where i'm at i will have more time so it's gonna be very dry and very quick but um i gave delaney the stipulations that both artists have to be alive and one of the artists must be a composer um and so we're gonna do that but i'm gonna start with delaney because i always ask who wants to go first and it's always her and i remember that so mm. give me your first one please um yeah i got all uh composers oh you have all composers mm-hmm. oh Just, okay yeah uh especially because like i feel like i don't really have a good like vision or stuff like this so i'm like i think it would sound good like you know yeah um so i picked a man shout out to a man wait i picked a man too okay yeah i knew you would pick them because but i knew we wasn't gonna pick the same collaboration so i was like yeah i'm curious to see who you whatever um so i picked a med and emmanuel wilkins um okay Who's a jazz saxophonist and composer and composes like he has two albums out um that he composed all the music on on those and I just really really love his music I don't really listen to jazz either but I listen to him uh huh Katie Katie laughing because that's my man in my head <laughs> you said what I said you laughing because that's my man in my head I mean so. it ain't gotta be in your head if you be a little delusional huh I say it ain't gotta be in your head if you be delusional. First, okay. We was, we was just talking about that. Like sometimes you just gotta. That's not delusional. Actually, we we like one degree of separation. All right, y'all. Let's make once it happen. I get, once I get right, we'll see. Anyway, um, no, but I really do love his music, and um, I think they will be good together. They, I, I have only heard like his compositions for his combo, but I think um, you know. I mean, it's range, and they both like. I don't know. We eat. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start with my Ahmed one then, because I th- I said this earlier pro- months ago, but I played a Black History Month concert in February, obviously, 
and um well that shouldn't be obvious but whatever and um i put a lot of a Mets music on that concert and i've played a Mets stuff before but i was telling them because i got um drinks with them like a couple weeks later after that ironically and i was like gassing them up i was like your stuff feels so good to play like it sounds good like it just fits good in the hands like it feels good um and i, I paired them with pj morton because i feel like that would be like mm-hmm. very good like yeah i just feel like cause I, I also feel that way about pj morton's music like it's just like it's feel good music to me mm-hmm. um so i think that would be like a really fun collab okay um okay and then my other one is jesse montgomery and nicholas okay Pitano. i also picked jesse montgomery really that's crazy what's going on <laughs> i mean these are popular well-known composers but yeah um yeah i picked jesse montgomery and nicholas Bertel. And Nicholas Patel does the Succession soundtracks, um, and he's just really—he's really good with low strings, particularly. Like, and I think that's because the show has like you know a bit of like a darkness to it, because um, they're also freaking unhinged. But um, so I think it like calls for that. But like, he's just really really good. And then I'm just thinking of like. Um, the last time, like, I heard string orchestra stuff was Jessie Montgomery, and I think she's also really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think he handles um, strings particularly very well. And you know, I'm always talking about how I want to hear more string orchestra stuff. So, yeah, I'm gonna watch. I'm finally gonna watch Succession when I get home because I really ain't got nothing to do. I don't have nothing planned this summer. Besides, I mean, my first week back from here is actually nuts i have no idea how i'm gonna get through that but after that um i don't really have a lot of plans as of yet so i'm like okay i'm finally gonna watch the session i need to catch up on black lady sketch show so i will let you um know what i feel about it because i had i told you i start i tried to start watching it but i was multitasking and i just that's not the type of show that you could do that with yeah the music is very very good yeah i'm looking forward to it because like i like also like I, f- I always feel like a little bullied with shows that do really well because everybody's constantly talking about it and I'm always on Twitter. So the only show that didn't work for me for was um Euphoria. <laughs> okay, there's a couple actually. Never mind. I guess I'm not bullied cuz I didn't even, I forgot about Euphoria cuz I haven't muted. Like sometimes it will be like this tweet has a word that you muted. And I'm like, "What?" And it's like euphoric. And I'm like, why would I? And I was like, oh, yeah, because the girls would not stop talking about that show. People was using um, the word euphoric. I don't know, girl. Euphoria. I had any any combination that would mm-hmm. get that show. It was just not for me. But also, um, I want to watch Game of Thrones, but I don't like gore. Yeah, I was about to say, I heard it's very violent. That don't yeah, seem like, like my cup of tea at all. And I just feel like I pay too much rent to be watching stuff through my fingers. So... Um, yeah, but my Jesse Montgomery, Jesse Montgomery is a violinist, so her strings up be very good. I played strum a couple of weeks ago, I'm lying, a couple months ago. Um, and I think that a Clark Sisters collab would be really good, mainly. I was thinking mainly because of Twinkie, because mm-hmm. she's so virtuous. But now that I think about it, like, I think they're all virtuosic, virtuosic in their own right. Um, I was watching a Yale, like, they did a master class at Yale for like, I guess they had like a songwriting whatever i recognize the guy who was doing it i felt he was a black excellence before he was like an organist does that ring a bell 
Girl. At Yale. Anyway, and I watched it, and at first I was like, how does it go with four people up here? But it was fine, because I think, like, I mean, four of them was kind of, I feel like we could have just did Karen and Twinkie, but that's no tea. Um, but they're, like, very virtuosic, and I feel like that would be a fun little ditty. So if y'all see these collabs on the street, it don't say inspired by classically black hit us up because somebody was thieving okay period okay <laughs> I feel it's gonna be such a short episode we are only 17 minutes in mm-hmm. yeah, right for it. once but to be fair we haven't done no like two and a half hour episode in a minute I mean we don't have to bring those back no, I'm just saying we have like I feel like two hours is long for us mm. We only have a yeah. couple couple episodes that reach that two hour mark. I, I also feel like a I feel like um what's the word a hypocrite because like if we could do like a little hour fifteen little hour thirty like that's enough but the, anytime the read is less than two hours I'd be like what's going on here right. what happened right and this week they didn't do listener letters so I'm also like what's that about <laughs> because Crystal kind of pulled to us she was like. She was like, so we are an hour in and we haven't talked about anything. I was like, that's how people must feel when we do that all the time. We'll be like, all right, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Take this. Um, but yeah. Well, moving on. Yep. Um, okay, so... We're going to each be talking about um, a piece of music that we found that is within the realm of Pride Month, since I don't think we've done a Pride episode before. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. That was so vague, though. <laughs> we're talking about operas that feature queer stories so we both picked the opera i can go first because the only one first for intermission and we're gonna talk about the synopsis and yeah you should go listen to it or something because sometimes operas be weird sometimes you can't listen to them (laughs) okay so i picked um this opera called 27 which is written by was composed by <laughs> Ricky Ian Gordon and the librettist is Royce Vavrick and it was commissioned by the St. Louis Opera Theater. Did I make that name up? Did I? I Hold so. up. Opera Theater of St. Louis. Mm. Um, it sounded wrong. I don't know why. Because it was. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> it was uh, commissioned um, in 2014. It premiered in June. Oh, perfect. During Pride Month in June June 14th, 2014. And it tells a story of this person named Gertrude Stein, who I feel like is a pretty well-known name. I'm going to read more about her um, just for my own personal education. And um, Alice Toklas. And so Gertrude Stein, she was a... I don't know how to describe her, like... I want to say that okay, I th- people know her as like a writer and stuff like that, but I want to say like she was like a socialite almost because she w- was born in Pittsburgh, but then she moved, she was born in Pittsburgh in 1874 and she moved 
to Europe more uh more specifically like eventually she ended up in Paris in 1903 and she lived uh, with her brother Leo in this apartment on at 27 Rue de Fleur which is where the name of the opera comes from and the reason why I want to call her a socialite is because she used to hold these salons with her bestest of friends which we all come on um Alice and they used to do like these salons where she would invite like writers and um, artists to come share their work really notable people like Ernest Hemingway um, Picasso and the opera covers like Alice and Gertrude's they don't, I don't it doesn't really cover like their their love because they like Gertrude was like uh, she's also she was an open lesbian and she also like openly openly she was a lesbian and also she was Jewish so that's also why she's so interesting because she was living in Europe during this time um because the, the opera covers like um World War One through World War Two and like the the stuff she had going on so I'm gonna give you like a little brief synopsis so um basically the opera opens up with like Alice um thinking back to the life that she had with Gertrude because like Alice was younger than Gertrude so Gertrude died but basically like act one just talks about like we get to meet that, that was a prologue act one we get to talk we get to meet um Alice and Gertrude and um she has like Picasso at her apartment like revealing this portrait and then Leo her brother announces that he's leaving and so now Alice and Gertrude are happy and they toast his departure and they're like period like now we live here um and then I won't get into the nitty-gritty but I will link like what I've been um what I've been reading I do want to highlight one thing the reason why I think she's such an interesting person or was an interesting person is like kind of like alluded to like an act four um it says Gertrude and Alice survived the second world war by sacrificing paintings um Picasso's portrait of Gertrude preys on her conscience asking her to explain how a Jewish American authoress survived Nazi occupied France the guilt eats away at her and she dies in Alice's arms and then Alice is alone at the end of the opera so I thought this was really interesting I would love to see this I'm gonna see if I can keep an eye out for it like is there like a way you can see like what operas are being done like I feel like if I want to see an opera, I would like type it into Google and like to see who's doing it. But like, mm-hmm. there has to be like a registry or something because I would love to see. Yeah, maybe like this. Opera News or something. Maybe they keep a. Yeah, but this I really... mean, what is it called? Opera Newswire, I think it's a website. Is that what it's called? Okay, I let me think go so. There. They may or may not have it, but. Mm. And yeah, I mean, and also like I I call her socialite. But, like, yeah, even her, I think she's buried in France because it says Gertrude Stein, Ecrivain American, so an American writer. But she was having people in her, her little living room. She kind of living the life I want, like, hanging out, having people come over. Because remember, like, we were talking about, like, our dream house. I would have me, like, a recital hall so I could invite people to come and just host parties and, like, in this thing, recital hall. (laughs) That's, I feel like that's reasonable to have a recital hall in your house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like a little cute one like a little like a Howard Hanson size right I was no. trying to say about my house <laughs> trying to say I live in we're trying to say I live in a shack okay <laughs> but like yeah so you could like have like you can invite like people to come 
especially like we classically black like i could be like yo like randall come do a, a concert at recital and like at my house and i invite like people i know and there's hors d'oeuvres and i was about champagne. to say how who all gonna be there well, not right now because I don't got no money to rub together. But I'm saying, obviously, if I can afford a house or a mansion, like, if I no, can that's what I'm saying. Like, even then, like, who all gonna be there? I feel like, depending on how mixy I get, like, I'm, I'm inviting people like Ari, like, who is that? Ari Lennox, like, <laughs> like, how mixy I'm finna get, like, <laughs> Gabrielle Union, like, Carisha. That's a interesting combination of people. It wouldn't be like that. But I'm just saying, like, think Jazz Nation brunch, but a quarter of the size. Not Jazz Nation. At my house. <laughs> okay. From my mouth to God's ears. I just realized that people listening have no context for this conversation because I've never talked about it, and I probably will never will until it happens. But um, Delaney knows. She, she knows. Mm-hmm. Listen. I feel like I want to be a socialite, like a good a good one, if that exists. Like I want to throw parties and brunches and tea. Yeah, this is uh, introvert Katie here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not you. It wouldn't be every day. It would Not just be parties. Like, what do you say? Parties, brunches, and teas. Yep. Okay. To be fair, like I threw, I had a tea last summer. I threw a tea party last summer. I know. And then what I do the day after that? On brand. I stayed to myself. Okay, Katie. It's about balance. Right, that is what it's called. But you know, you'll be gag. I was I was talking to a friend here, and I was like, "Yeah, I like I consider myself like an introverted extrovert." He was like, "I would never get that from you," <laughs> and I was like, "You could delete my number, actually. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for this." <laughs> this is one of those things where it's like people can't see themselves clearly. It's like on one hand. Like people, Chill. people that know themselves. Crazy. It's like that on one hand, huh? <laughs> that was a read. <laughs> no, because it's like on one hand, like there are some things like people know about themselves, but on the other hand, like of course none of us knows everything or sees ourselves clearly. So, you got opera. Because I would do with you back. Like I'm not the person to say <laughs> I feel like also like I'm really never beating the allegations while I'm here because I'm a, I'm like one of the last ones to go to bed every night. I'm a, I'm a laughing. I don't know why you even <laughs> need to beat the allegations. <laughs> like, because I be trying to tell people like like they be making fun of me like um our, our sweet mates be making fun of me because I'll be like I'm a morning person. I woke up at eleven o'clock this morning. Why? I went to bed at five because I was <laughs> laughing, having a good time, last to go to bed. I don't understand. But you know what? Ask me how my life is in Memphis. And that's it's about balance. All right. I'll be hanging out in Memphis. I need to change that though because I'm having a good little time. See? Um, but that's what music festivals are for. It's not, but it's. <laughs> I mean, right. Like, it's like. That's probably the, that's not the only reason why. Because normally, like, yeah, I, I actually would prefer to go to bed, but I don't ever see my friends, <laughs> so it's like I'm I can suck it up. Yeah. Um. Okay. 
Um, so the opera that I'm talking about is called Fellow Travelers. Um, it's composed by Gregory Spears and the libretto is by Greg Pierce. Um, and it's based on a novel um, by Thomas Mallon that came out in 2007, also called Fellow Travelers. Um, it was a co-commission um, by the Cincinnati Opera and G. Sterling Zinsmeyer. Um, and then the opera was developed by Opera Fusion's uh, New Works, which is a collaboration between Cincinnati Opera and CCM, um, which is the whole like initiative is supposed to be supporting the creation of American operas, um, contemporary American operas. Um, this one also premiered in June, surprise, surprise, um, and by the Cincinnati Opera, um, but it's also come back a number of times. Um, it was in June 2016 it was premiered, then in 2018 it came back at the Lyric Opera Chicago, and then also in 2018 at Minnesota Opera, and then in 2019 at Boston Lyric Opera. So, going to be interesting to see where it goes next. Um, it also has a fairly small, like, it, it's like a really, like, minimalist um, musically. Um, it's scored for a 17-person chamber orchestra. Um but yeah, so what the opera is about, it's basically, it's set during the 1950s um, in the McCarthy era, and it focuses on um, something called the Lavender Scare, which um, I wanted to do this one because I think it's a, a an important piece of history, um, the Lavender Scare. So basically, it was um, basically like a widespread panic um, in the U.S. government um about gay people working in the u.s government so basically it led to um them trying to basically out gay people that were working in the u.s government and they fired like like thousands i think of people oh, um yeah and like ousted them from their jobs um under the suspicion that they were gay um which of course comes from the saying like red scare because of the similar um moral panic about communism um yeah so this was like a whole a whole thing in the 1950s where people were being interrogated and um and gay men and lesbians were said to be national security risks um and communist sympathizers so that also kind of played into why we're just making stuff up like that is like you just made that up <laughs> like what um so yeah they were there was basically a call to remove them from any uh state employment um and also federal um government um employment um it was also of course because this was also around the time when it was more it was a more widespread belief that being gay was an illness or like a mental illness or like you know whatever so they were also thought to be more susceptible to being manipulated um which is why they wanted to remove them from um government jobs because they were thinking like if somebody wanted to infiltrate the government i guess since you're gay they're going to be able to do it like <laughs> literally just make a shit up oh, they like they were like okay yeah um but yeah it's a, a piece of of history that people ought to know um it's just this country sucks like sorry sucks. like <laughs> like it's just yeah okay 
So um, the opera, it focuses, so it's set in that era and it focuses um, on a love affair between two men that were working um, in the federal government. One was a State Department official and the other was a recent college graduate that was working as an intern reporter in a senator's office. So, um, yeah, so it kind of follows, you know, the hinting at their... um, their love together and then also um it goes into sort of the witch hunt that ensues from the lavender scare um and um sort of the back and forth of like you know of course not trying to be found out um and and sort of sneaking around and trying um not to be outed um eventually um one of them is and so also a part of it is them trying to I guess like stay away from each other like so one of them wanted the other to be told that he was the one that outed him so that he would like not want to be together anymore because obviously like it was very it was like dangerous Mm -hmm. um during this time so and then another one like went he went to the to enlist in the army um, so that he could resign from his from his post and basically be separated for what they what they saw um, as as the greater good, and so they were exchanging letters during this time. But um, while they were separated, um, one of them married a woman and had you know got a life. Um, to try to conform um but of course you know that's not really yeah right um yikes but eventually they um you know like they try to reunite but that's sort of when um they're like there's a lot like there's a priest that like they're trying to basically reconcile um, this affair that they that they're trying to fight, um, especially because one of them is married now, and like there's a lot of uh, I guess like moral tumult going on. Yeah. Um, and it ends. Unfortunately, they don't end up together. Um, one of them goes like goes to live with family and be and to be. One of, his name is Tim. Uncle Tim, quote unquote. Um, and I feel like that, that also kind of highlights sort of the life that people were like forced to live. Like, yeah. I feel like you, you hear that stereotype of like, oh, you have your auntie that live with her friend or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's realistic that they didn't really get that happy ending. Um, but we're kind of forced to live in secrecy. So I thought that this was a good, like... It was an important piece of history that I think people should know, but also I was like, it's not really like a fun like thing to talk about during Pride Month, but like, yeah. <laughs> happy Pride. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like, it yeah. sucks. But like, also I feel like isn't the, it was the fifties and I feel like a lot of people don't know um, what the Lavender Scare was. Yeah, first time hearing about it. Yeah, and I feel like I just learned about it really, like really what it was this year too. So that's why 
um, yeah, I kind of wanted to to highlight that. So I hope I get to see it. There's another. Um, I actually forgot one that I what I also could have done was I forgot there was a Harvey Milk opera. But yeah, I would I want to see because the story I don't want to say the story is interesting because that's not what I mean. But I'm mm-hmm. more curious to see like how do you how do you do this as an opera? Like I, that's what I want to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like. My mom was just saying that that she was like, it's interesting the stuff that they make it to operas. Mm-hmm. It is. Because how do you convey? I feel like that would be better as like a screenplay. This one. Mm-hmm. So I want to see like. I mean, I ain't no operist. Wait, hold up. You what? know what? I mean. Not operist. That has to be a word. Well, you know what. Um, it's actually they're making it into a um a mini series. See, on TV, and, and it says it's upcoming, so it should be coming out. It what is? Let me see. I mean, all these dates say so. It's coming on Showtime. Um, and it was greenlit last April. Okay, so the writer strike didn't affect it. Mm. Yeah, I want to see that, especially like when you said like there's there was no happy ending. Like my brain kind of went somewhere else because like there's like this idea in screenwriting that you want your main character to get the happy ending because like which is why like even though it wasn't my favorite, that's why Issa ended up with Lawrence at the end when they were the writers talking about that. Like, what do we say about how we feel about our character if she doesn't get what she wants? So I want to see that play out on screen. Like, because I, I feel like our main character always gets what they want. So that's what it kind of makes me like sad, but also like excited to see it. And that's why I was like, yeah, I want to see the opera, but now even more. Now I want to see it on on the screen. Like, how how am I gonna feel as a viewer when it doesn't work out? Because I feel like I can't really think of many instances where it doesn't work out for the main character. And it seems like so for the the TV version, it seems like it's a wider. From what I've been able to hear about the. When, from what I've been able to see about the opera, I don't see a lot of the subsequent events of the 60s, 70s, and 80s as it pertains to the um, the gay community. I'm sorry, my computer was like, it keeps like going to black, like it's going to sleep, but it's still recording. So I was like, <laughs> what is going on? This episode um, has been hanging on by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> But the the miniseries seems like it is going into all of that because that's what I was thinking when I was when I was thinking about their ending. I was like, I wonder how this plays out into like, you know, of course, the AIDS crisis and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. Um, because they were separated for so long. And and I couldn't really tell exactly where that lands. But on the on the um, miniseries, it was saying that um, it, it spans the 60s, 70s and 80s and goes into like um the disco era and like how that mm. interacts with gay culture and um and the AIDS crisis as well and it follows the characters 
sort of into that. So, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, I was wondering, you know, in the in the opera. But I guess, you know, it's literally opera. This is a series. So, it says, also under genre, it says historical romance and political thriller. So. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. But Showtime, that seems appropriate for that, for what they be doing over there. But I said, the more I think about it, I feel like opera can be tragic. So it's like, mm-hmm. if they, if it didn't work out and I saw it, I'd be like, oh, okay, this makes sense, like, in this context. But I would, if it didn't work out on screen, I might be gagged by that. Because it's like, but also the way they could, they could do it, like, maybe the happy ending isn't what we know it to be, like, in modern day, but it's like because they if they can do it on screen they could do it with multiple different characters and it ain't got to be just the one like the opera so they could like some couples do end up together it might mm-hmm. not look like they might, even, might not be married but like they're together they have children or whatever they they leave the country like i feel like there's there's still like there's more push and pull obviously with uh doing it on tv so We'll see. Maybe next year. Yeah. Are the actors going on strike? Did you see that? I haven't seen anything. Oh, I heard that there was a possibility. Yeah, that's the last I heard. We'll see, I guess. Anyway, y'all, let us know what you think about our little opera choices. Let us know if we missed anything. I'm sure we did. Um, What operas do y'all like that have... Um, highlight queer stories. I know. feel like, uh, yeah, if you have any, also, um, because I feel like we, we just, um, we also talked about, you know, both of the ones from Terrence Blanchard were too. I was gonna, like, I almost picked, I was like, wait, I could do it. I was like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I heard somebody, I saw somebody, this is why you gotta be. You gotta just be in your right mind on Twitter. I it was like, and it was somebody who was very a very smart person, a very smart person. It was Do like, I know this person? huh? Do I know this person? Not personally, um, but you might know who it is if I said their name. But um, they was like, oh, you know, like oh, this is great, but like. We need to let people people know that it's not the only operas, only black operas that exist are not like just operas about black gay men. And I was just like, I got to figure out how how he said it because it wasn't in a way that made me think that he because he is gay. It wasn't in a way that made me think that he had something against like queer stories. But like, I was just like, why would anybody reasonably think that? Like, just because they did two they did two operas that happened to have bisexual men in them like that somebody do you think anybody actually really thinks that literally no other opera exists that is not about bisexual black men that's the only black operas that have ever been made do you really think people think that yeah, like, so <laughs> incredibly stupid why would anybody think that like Y'all are I just, so free too i feel like when you dumb you just be free Cause like, like what? I don't understand. Like why? Like get there. Like they did two in a row, and and that's gonna make everybody think that that's the only thing oh, that like, exists. 
I was I was just very confused by that. I'm like, that's just not even that's not a reasonable assumption of right. anything ever. Okay, Miss Girl. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Black excellence. Yep. All right, y'all, time for Black Excellence, where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you your props because there's room for everyone at the top. Who are you talking about, Delaney? This week, I'm talking about Billy Hunter. Um, he is currently the principal trumpet um, with the Metropolitan Opera in New York um, and assistant principal trumpet at the Grant Park Symphony Orchestra in Chicago. Um, he has also um, played with the New World Symphony and Spoleto Festival Italy um, orchestras. Um, he has experience playing with orchestras all over the world, including um, a stint as guest principal with the Frankfurt uh, Radio Symphony in Germany, the Malaysian Philharmonic, the Charleston Symphony Orchestra, the New York Phil, Boston, Baltimore, Dallas, all over the place. Um, he is also an avid chamber musician and soloist. Um, he's performed with several ensembles um, in music festivals like Grant Park, um, the University of Texas Symphony and Wind Ensemble, Prometheus Chamber Orchestra, American Brass Quintet, um, and the Met Chamber Ensemble, as well as more. Um, he won first prize in the Kingsville International Solo Competition um, for the Brass and Non-String Division, second prize in the National Trumpet Competition. Um, he's also a recipient of the Roger Voicing uh, Trumpet Award as a fellow of the prestigious uh, Tanglewood Music Center. Um, and most recently had uh, won the University of Texas at Austin Outstanding Young Alumnus Award. Um, so he's a graduate of UT Austin as well as Juilliard. Um, and yeah, he's out here being black and excellent. Shout out to you. Period. My piece of the week is Chike 6 because I had that little march stuck in my head, the bum, bum, buddy, bu, bu, and I went around. All these people, I could not think. It's like an earworm. It was just in my head randomly. <clears throat> Mind you, everybody here went to mad music school. Everybody got mad degrees. Everybody, everybody got mad whatever. They went to the, all the places. Okay. I went around. I asked about six people. I'm like, what is this? And I was like, bum, bum, buddy, da, da, dee. These people said Indiana Jones. And I said, you will not gaslight me. I'm like, it's a symphony. Because I remember like. Not dun, 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 that's dun, what I'm dun, saying. Dun. Like, no. <laughs> Especially like. Also, yeah, I'm going to say. Because it's my podcast. Tyler mainly was like, girl, let it go. with Indiana Jones. Da, da, da. I said, no, it's not. And then. So I'm like, no, what is it? And fi- thankfully, I had a roar on my side. I'm like, it's a symphony. I just got to figure out what it is. I know I rest, rest during it. Because I don't have the notes. Um. I don't know the notes were in my fingers. I know like we rest and then the, the woodwinds take it over. And shout out to Henry. I asked him. He was like, "Oh, it's Chike Six. So yeah, I just want to I just want to shout out all the people who thought I was crazy. Indiana Jones, y'all need to go back to music school. What's going on? Matter of fact, I'm gonna call so they can revoke some of these degrees. Okay? Did I know the name of the symphony? No, but I knew it was a symphony. I knew it was. Especially because so I can sing Indiana Jones and I can sing that that tune in my head from track six but yeah i don't know if i would have been able to place that either because sometimes like that's what's so so annoying about it because i get these random things in my head i'm like i don't even know what this freaking is like um what you know what's stuck in my head for months uh it's the flute 
most like why would that yeah, be in my Mozart head? Flute concerto. Why would that be in my head? Especially like I don't. Tyler was working on it last summer. You know how long last summer it was ago? Three sixty-five days. Three sixty-five. So why would it like? And I was just in Memphis. I'm like, I don't want to do with this earworm. Like I don't know what it is. And I just forgot about it. And then I sang it again. He's like, why are you singing the Mozart flute concerto? And I was like, I don't know. But um, so sometimes it's annoying. But he wasn't gonna tell me. Like no, because I experienced it. I played Chai Six. Like I know, nah. I'm calling up Rice, and we are getting some of these re- degrees revoked. Okay, very much. Um, but yeah, that's my piece of the week. Shout out to Tchaikovsky, a real one. Period. Um, and we love you a little piece. And yeah, right. It's over. Thanks so much for listening to Classically Black Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of Louis suggestion, a black ex suggestion, or an intermission suggestion, send it to classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com. If you're black, join ISBM. It's free nine. If you got money, meet us at the Ebony Tower on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash classicallyblackpodcast. Meet us over there. We be having a good little time. And listen, it might be a little scarce right now, but guess what? Get what? Lean in. We coming for you. Okay? <laughs> Once I get back to my yard, okay? So you don't want to miss it. Because we're gonna get real exclusive, exquisite, expensive. It's not expensive. It's not. Wait. <laughs> but exclusive and exquisite. <laughs> it is. Classy Whack. Patreon.com slash Classy Whack Podcast. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.